So we're continuing to study the glories of heaven. We're kind of taking a little bit of a side uh, trail here, and we're going to talk about cremation tonight, cremation tonight. Now, cremation, as popular as it is, is kind of a recent development these days. And the two things that I've heard as far as, you know, the reason for cremation, first of all, there's flexibility in when you can have the funeral. So typically when somebody dies, you might have a, a funeral within four days of the death. And, you know, there's just kind of a need to have it pretty quickly. But if you cremate the person, then there is a flexibility to, I've seen funerals extended you know, months at a time, just to make it more convenient for family members to come and to be present at the the service. And of course, with uh, um, the COVID scare that happened a few years ago, a lot of people were delaying their funeral services um, through cremation. So anyway, that, that's one reason. Another reason is that the cost of burying someone is just completely astronomical. I just cannot understand. Well, I understand, but still, I mean, we're talking upwards fifteen to $20,000 if you want to bury somebody. And even cremating somebody is pretty high these days, but not like uh, burying a loved one. So anyway, cremation, for those two reasons, and I'm sure maybe for other reasons, Cremation is becoming more and more popular in these recent days. Um, in the past, uh, especially for Christian death and burial, there was kind of an emphasis on burying a body. Uh, so much so that it was believed wrong to cremate a person. That if you were a Christian, then a, the burial of a body was the right way to go, the Christian way to go. Now, I don't hold to that position, um, but some of you might, and there still might be some sensitivities to this. But what we want to do is look at the Bible and see what it has to say and uh, try to come to a reasonable understanding as to what is the right and proper and appropriate way to bury someone. So I wish the Bible gave more instruction as to if somebody dies, then do this for their burial. But it doesn't quite do that. So we have to just draw from some of the examples that we have and uh, come to some principles as to what we must consider when we're thinking about burying or not burying someone. Now, when we're talking about cremation, we're talking about burning the body until, you know, to ash. So that, that's kind of the idea of cremation, obviously. And again, I don't think that the Bible speaks to that as far as a burial, a proper burial goes. However, there are some verses that we want to look at that are negative concerning the burning of bodies, and we want to look at the context in which they occur. So the first verse or passage uh, that we want to look at, and this is just kind of an overview of where we've been going. Uh, what happens when we die? Our body dies. We go to be with the Lord. Myths about death, and then tonight, creation. So the first passage we want to look at is 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 18 through 19. 1 Kings 16, 18 through 19. And it says, And it happened when Zimri saw that the city was taken... 
that he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire, and he died because of the sins which he had committed in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin which he had committed to make Israel sin. So Zimri was a king, and he has been attacked, and he has been overcome. And this is just a tragic verse here. Seeing that he, is, he has lost his kingdom, he's about to perish, he burns the house down upon him and thus kills himself. So this is an example of the burning of a body. Um, however, uh, obviously there is a distinction to be made as to what Zimri is doing in killing himself through fire and the burial of a person. So it's not quite the same context. It would be different if we're talking about somebody, um, Zimri dies some other way, and his family members decide to burn him and bury him that way. But that's not the case here in this situation. So we have a little bit of a uh, difference here. Uh, In this passage, I don't think that the primary offense is that he died by fire. I think the primary offense is that he died by his own hand. And in this case, it's fire. And so the act of suicide, the act of killing himself is the primary offense here. And the means by which he does it, it, it really doesn't matter. So that's 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Another passage to look at is 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 6. And what we have here in this passage is a practice by the pagans of that lived in the land of Canaan. And we see in this, this would not have been an isolated example uh, or an isolated case, but this is an example of what occurred um, among the pagans of the land. But it wasn't just the pagans that did this. Sometimes even the people of Israel got caught up in the sins of Canaan and they practiced the same thing. So if you're going to worship a false god, then you're going to have some false practices. So in this passage, 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 6, says also, He made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord. So here's, here's again the king, and he is not following the Lord, but Asherah and and some of the other, and Baal, and so on. And one of their practices was to cause their children to pass through the fire. In other words, they offered them as an offering to these false gods by fire. They burned the body. So again, this is another abhorrent situation and case that takes place um, in, in Israel. And... It is death by fire. But again, I think that there's something that is different here. It's not that the son dies and the family decides to burn the body for burial. It is that they are killing the son through fire in their false worship of this false god. And so this is another example of an abomination before the Lord. Uh, and of course, if, you know, whoever worships pagan religions or does not serve God, I should say, and just kind of goes the way of the world, then we should not be surprised that some off actions are engaged in and 
And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it can be extreme, and in this case, it is uh, very extreme. In this same chapter, 2 Kings chapter 23, I want to start reading verse 16. I'll start in verse 15 and read a few verses here. So this is 2 Kings chapter 23, beginning in verse 15. It says, Moreover, the altar was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he broke down, and he burned the high place and crushed it to powder and burned the wooden image. As Josiah turned, he saw the tombs that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed. Who proclaimed these words? Then he said, What gravestone is this that I see? So the men of the city told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar at Bethel of Bethel. And he said, Let him alone. Let no one move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. And he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. He executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. So here's Josiah, and he is on fire for the Lord, and he seeks to honor the Lord. And what he is doing is he is bringing a purge to the false religion of of Israel here that's taking place. And part of this is to burn the high places, burn the, the... where it says he executed, he executed all the priests in the, the places who were there on the altars, and he burned men's bones. And in other words, there's kind of a collecting of the bones. These people are, all, are already dead, and he is burning them in order to cleanse or to purify this place, which has been defiled because of the pagan uh, worship that was taking place there. So again, this is a little bit different. <clears throat> the people are, are already dead. The bones are being burned in purification. And so this is kind of in judgment against them, which is not an uncommon thing, which we'll see as we continue to move on. So I, this is a little bit different still of what we're talking about. Uh, Josiah is not burying loved ones. He is bringing judgment and he is bringing purification. And that is done by fire which is, which is uh, something that we see uh, from time to time in Scripture as well. And then we'll, we'll turn to the New Testament this time, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, it says this. It says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, here Paul is saying, or talking about giving the body to be burned in a positive context. In other words, these things that he is listing here are positive things in service to the Lord. So he mentions giving all my goods to feed the poor. That's a good thing. And though I give my body to be burned, that's a good thing. But have not love, and that's kind of the linchpin right there, 
it profits me nothing. So in other words, if I do these admirable things, actually, they're, I should have started in verse 1. So let's go back because he lists some other things and, and that would kind of give us a, a fuller picture. So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter uh, 13. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, by the way, is that great chapter on love. And many people will often turn to this passage to understand what love is all about. It is often used in marriage ceremonies. It's a, just a very well-known and popular passage. So going back to verse 1, it says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, that's a positive thing, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or chain clanging cymbals. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that's a good thing, and, have not, and though I have all faith, so I could remove... Um, I'm sorry, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, which is good, so that I could remove mountains, which is good, but have not love, I am nothing. And then the verse that we read, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. So the question then is, why is he putting the giving of my body to be burned in the context of these positive, these other positive things? What is positive, or in what in what context is giving your body to be burned a good thing? What is Paul talking about here? Martyrdom. Martyrdom. He is talking about when you're being persecuted, and one of the means of persecution was to take the Christians and burn them. We, are, we, are, uh, we know that uh, most prominently from a period of time in the Roman Empire when Nero was the emperor and he was persecuting the Christians in Rome and he would take them and he would stake them and they, he would burn them as examples upon the road uh, for others who might dare to come against him. So that's kind of the context. Uh, of course, Nero is not the only one who burned people alive. I mean, we find examples, we're going to see there are other examples in Scripture um, of this. But uh, 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 this is what Paul is referring to. So if I yield myself and give my life for Christ, which is a good thing, even if it means I get burned, but I don't have love, then it profits me nothing. So really it all comes down to in all of these things is am I serving God primarily out of my love for him and not just doing these things for the, because they're good. So to give it kind of a modern context, if I go to church, which is a good thing, but have not love, then it profits me nothing. That's to put it in a, a, a positive con or a contemporary context. If I read my Bible, yet have not love. If I uh, serve all the meals at the rescue mission, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So you see, what the, you see what's going on here. So for Paul then, he's bringing out some of these uh, extreme things, and of course giving your life for the Lord is a pretty extreme thing. There were periods of times, if you read some of the early church fathers, what was happening in one isolated period of time, there was, there was persecution that was going on against the church. And the Christians were actually, they, they thought it was, so, um, it was so prestigious to die for the Lord as a martyr, which it is, that they were actually surrendering themselves, lining up, so to speak, to be persecuted as a martyr. And in the early church fathers, you'll see, I think it was Irenaeus, I don't remember exactly, 
he actually writes and he encourages them, stop doing that. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you, if you get caught and uh, you, are, you are questioned and you, are, and you can't deny the Lord and, and you're killed, then so be it. But don't just expose yourself and, you know, kind of surrender yourself for that. Stop lining up to be killed. So that, that was kind of the encouragement there. Um, not exactly what Paul is saying, but, you know, the, the idea, that, that's where Paul at least, you know, this idea is coming out that it is a noble thing to die for the Lord, even if it means to be burned by fire. But make sure that everything you do, even if that's what happens, you do because of your love. That's the most important thing. So compassion uh, trumps everything, even having the faith to move mountains, right? I mean, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But Paul here says, make sure that if you have the faith to move mountains, that you have love as kind of undergirding it or the foundation of that faith. All right. So uh, these are some verses. I don't think any of them really address the issue of cremation or the burning of the body in the context of a ceremony or a, uh, the practice of burying a loved one after death. So it, it seems, uh, I, I think, just to shift a little bit, I think when the Bible talks about um, these things, the primary issue is not the, the method of burying the dead as it is whether or not there's a desecration of the body or a, an honoring of the body. And I think that that's kind of the underlying principle. It is the, it is the respect and the love and the care that you show for your loved one that has passed. That kind of is the driving idea between how to bury someone. So, just to kind of give you an example of this, a foreign army comes through an area and they kill a lot of the, the people and the enemy army and in and sweeping through this area, they gather all of the bodies, they cast them in heaps and they burn them with fire because they don't care about the dead. It is a desecration, it is a triumph over these uh, dead of the enemy, and so they don't care. They gather the bodies, they throw them, you know, maybe even, even sometimes even burying them in a mass grave is kind of a disrespect of the body. A, a, a person who is burying a loved one would never want to even do that kind of a thing. So they don't care about the people. Um, to, to give you a modern example, there was one night on the news, they they had found this mass grave in, the, in Ukraine when the Russians had come through. They had taken a lot of the bodies of the Ukrainians and they had put them in this mass grave. So not too long ago when the Ukrainians liberated that part of Ukraine from the Russians and discovered this mass grave, what they did was they removed the bodies from there in order to return them or to provide a proper burial for them. So that's kind of the difference that we're talking about here. It's whether or not there is a desecration of the body, um, which would include, you know, judgment coming upon them, as opposed to honoring or respecting the dead out of your loving, your care, and your compassion for them. Okay? So, 
Um, like I mentioned earlier, fire in the Bible is often a method that is used or a means that is used to bring judgment about on others. So let's look at some verses along these lines. Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 12. It says, O house of David, <clears throat> thus says the Lord, execute judgment in the morning and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil you are doing. So here, through the prophet Jeremiah, the judgment that is coming by the Lord is, de- is pictured as a fire that is going forward and consuming those who are sinning because of the evil you are of your doings. So here fire is used as judgment. Another passage is in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 41. It says, They shall burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women, and I will make you cease playing the harlot, and you shall no longer hire lovers. So again, fire is used as a means of judgment. And then in the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 8, It says, therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. Now, this actually kind of falls in line because fire, with what the Bible says, because fire is not the only means of bringing judgment about. There is another great judgment that fell upon the earth pretty early on, and it wasn't by fire, it was by it was by water. So we know that the flood was a great judgment by God against the sinfulness uh, of the men on the earth. But God promised that when he judges again, he's not going to judge through water. And so there is a judgment of fire that is coming. And so the next judgment that God brings upon the earth will be a judgment of fire. And so we see little glimpses of that in these verses that I read and in other places where judgment comes by fire. Now, it's not that God has to use fire to bring judgment because there are also examples of God's judgment in other ways. What are some other ways that God brought judgment against people in the Bible after Noah and the the flood? That, That wasn't by fire, what? That's right. In one, in the one case that I can think of for sure, the, the earth swallowed them up. It opened up and, and swallowed them up. That was bringing judgment. What else? Can you think of any other ways of judgment coming upon people in, in the Bible? What's that? Okay, yes. Exiling them, you know, making them leave their land. Yes, that was a judgment. Plagues, yes. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's right, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. (laughs) Herod gave this great speech, and the people were saying, the voice of a God and not a man. And God said, nope, boop. And uh, the worms just ate him up from the inside out or something like that. Something nasty like that, right? All right, so that was a way of judgment. Um, Anyway, the the point is this, that God has judged people in many different ways. So uh, Jezebel is another one that comes to mind. We were reading some passages in Kings. But anyway, Jezebel is thrown from the window and the dogs come and eat her. And that was, you know, her judgment, her demise. Uh, but when we come, as we approach the end, uh, the end times, there is a judgment of fire. And that will be kind of the primary means of judging. So uh, we have these glimpses. Judgment comes through fire and people are consumed by it. Um, 
So, so that's the extent that, that I've been able to, to find, and maybe you have some other passages that would be important to consider. But I, going back, I, I think the main point that we're talking about is um, it, it's not so much the way that you bury the dead, but the, the you know, are you coming at it uh, in a dis- disrespect as judgment, or are you respecting or honoring the memory of a loved one that has passed? Now, that, that's not to say that throughout history, I, I mean, throughout history, one of the best ways to show respect for the passing of a loved one was to keep the body intact and bury them. That is a very respectful way, and that should not be diminished. Uh, just because, you know, we might kind of uh, uh, allow the idea of cremation to enter in to our thinking, um, that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we can't take the idea of burying the dead as a very respectful and honoring way to, you know, to show our love and compassion for those that have passed. So you can go through history, uh, you know, you go back into the Bible and uh, one of the first ones that I can think of is Abraham um, finds a cave, you know, to put Sarah in. Um, so she's not, they're not really digging the earth and putting her in there. They're putting them in the cave. And that was much easier, I guess, and oftentimes. And for someone who wandered like Abraham, it was much more convenient to purchase a place, which he did, um, to find the cave and to put them in, put them in there. And then uh, Isaac, I think, I, Jacob buried Rachel uh, in Bethlehem and uh, so you have those, those kinds of things. Even Jesus wasn't, I mean, he was buried in the earth, but it was in a, in a cave, uh, which is a little bit different. Still, there's the burial, and, you know, in a sense, you're closing them in, this tomb. And they didn't put them in caskets all the time. As a matter of fact, one of the common things to find is what's called an ossuary box. So these are, they have been making some discoveries of these ossuary boxes. And an ossuary box is where, I don't exactly know what happens prior to this, whether they burn the body or if they um, wait a period of time, but they collect the bones and they put them in these little boxes, ossuary box, and they bury those. So some of those boxes have been found so they did that. The catacombs in Rome were as a testament not only to how the Christians, well, how Christians treated the dead. So you have these large, you know, catacomb combs that are underneath the city, and you can go down there. And <laughs> I visited Rome when I was like in 10th grade, and I remember very few things about it. But one thing I do remember, we were in the catacombs, and I come out of a catacomb, I went in to look look around, and as I was coming out, there was this girl who was part of our trip who was just, you know, walking down the hallway, the corridor, and we kind of like came out at the same time, and she just went berserk and started screaming because I scared her uh, half to death. Um, that's one of the only things I remember about my trip. <laughs> I guess it was more traumatic for uh, uh, for me that I realized, but uh, since I remember it. But anyway, they have all these catacombs, and what they used to do is they used to carve into the stone 
you know, these little places like shelves, and they would put the bodies in there, and so, you know, they're kind of stacked all over the place throughout the catacombs. But it was a testament to the Christians of the time, and this is going to be a little bit later, um, from the time of Jesus, and uh, the, the Romans began to take note of how the Christians respected their dead, and that's kind of the point. We want to respect the dead. So uh, the catacombs are kind of a testament for respecting the dead. So uh, when it comes to, to cremation again, <clears throat> we're, we're not... Yeah, Court, go ahead. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to tour the catacombs? I mean, if you have just kind of a desire to be around dead people, you know, it's like kind of... Yeah. Yeah, tread... <laughs> profiting on the... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because whenever I do a funeral and we have to go through the, you know, the cemetery there, it's like I'm trying to walk between head, headstones and, you know, in order not to trample over somebody's grave. That's me. And, and as I'm, you know, I'm, so I'm looking to see, you know, make sure I'm not, uh, you know, doing that. And I often will say, how can you have a body here and a body here? I mean, there's like this much space between headstones, and how in the world is this possible? That's just my own observation there. So I don't know what they do in cemeteries. Maybe they bury somebody here like this, and then they go a little bit deeper like this, and there's overlap. I don't know what they do, but it's like, how in the world did you get two bodies in this little space in the ground? So I've always wondered about that. And uh, maybe you're right, Court. You know, if we're gonna, if they're gonna honor their dead and bury them um, in such a way, then, and how can anybody charge somebody else? I mean, uh, in all fairness, they did. There were no bones. You don't. You go in the catacombs, and where they let you go, there are no bones. It's just kind of the. So who knows if they removed them or what? You know, made it. Yeah, look, here's a femur, you know, and it's just kind of, well, let's have a sword fight, you know, with two bones going on here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. No. <laughs> Well, you know, people walk their dogs in the cemetery across the street from our house. And uh, it's like, you know, right, they're walking on the path, but their dog is doing their business all over the grass, you know. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I kind of feel like that. If, you know, here's somebody's grave and they're you know, honoring their dead and they bury them there. Well, I don't want to just traipse all over it. But, um, you know, it just kind of shows how... As people, we kind of tend to think, well, you know, I don't know them, and you know, so I don't care, kind of a thing. And that's unfortunate, you know, not just in that respect, but we just kind of tend to be like that as, as people. You know, the further the distance from me to that thing, the less I care about it. So that, that's just uh, human nature. So uh, anyway, um, 
all that to say, yeah, I, I agree with you, you know, we want to show some respect for the dead. So, I don't know. Again, there's no verse that says don't walk on somebody's grave uh, in the Bible, but it's just kind of a com common sense, to me anyways, common sense kind of approach to it. <clears throat> so, uh, concerning cremation, when a Christian cremates a loved one, they're not judging them or desecrating them, you know, as far as being against them. They are respecting the memory of the dead and, you know, bringing, it, bringing their ashes together and, um, you know, having a, a, a ceremony. And then you, go, you can go to the, the graveside and, and they don't have the grave. They have these, you know, mausoleums or whatever you want to call them. And, and again, you have shelves and you can put the, you know, one above the other and you have a nameplate at the, the front. And, and uh, that's how some people will bury their dead. Now, some objections here against cremation, and again, this is, there's, a, there's a long history in Christianity against cremation, so I just want to make you aware of that. You might think, well, there's nothing wrong with it, but just kind of be sensitive, because there is a long, strong tradition against cremation, and we want to be sensitive to that. So some object that burial was the normal method in the Bible to deal with the body. Well, it is true, like I said, and I gave you some examples of that. Um, and even Jesus was kind of, you know, put in the tomb there as opposed to some other kind of death. But uh, um, again, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something to that. But it doesn't say, you know, that for that reason, you know, you should bury as opposed to cremate. And when we think about death, when the Bible talks about death, it, it talks about you were made from dust, and to dust you shall return. So if you bury the body, it's going to turn to dust. And if you cremate the body, well, it turns to dust too, just a little quicker. And, you know, so there's, there's still the turning to dust kind of thing. And, I'm, and the dust part of it, you know, the bodies being of the earth and turning to dust, that, that's, that's kind of inferior and secondary and not so important. So some, some of these verses, Ecclesiastes 12.7 says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So it's talking about death and through death there is the burial and the turning to dust. There's Genesis 3.19. Um, this is the judgment against Adam and Eve for their sin. It says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So this is the way of life, as we have already talked about, that once we die, this body will return to the earth and turn to dust. Um, so... Here's another verse, and this is important, and, and, I, and I think from here we can draw the conclusion that we need not fret about that fact that we're going to turn to dust. So it says, the first man was of the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. 
Now here the contrast is made between Adam, who is the son of the dust, the man of the dust, and Jesus, who is the heavenly man. And so as we have taken on the image of Adam, the man of dust, so we shall experience that, um, you know, going to the dust. But as Christians in Christ, there is something greater that we can look forward to, and that is that we will bear the image of the heavenly man, which is not of dust and will not perish. And so what we have here in the balance is that, uh, yeah, you know, to dust you shall return, but that is not the end or the hope for the Christian. We, we have a higher hope and a higher thing that we're aspiring to. And so what we're looking to when we think about death is that we don't have to end our focus, well, I am going to die and be buried in the cemetery. I am going to rise again from the dead. And that is my hope. So it, it supersedes the fact that I will die physically. It supersedes that, and I will pass through that onto life. And that's the great thing that we have to look forward to. So I think maybe, and this is just me speaking here, that this is why the Bible does not make too big of a deal of how we bury the dead, because in the end, it's not that we're going to get buried. In the end, it's that we will rise again from the dead. And that's what's more important. Uh, another objection to cremation has to do with the resurrection. And I, this one just doesn't carry very much weight to me because God, uh, God, can, God can resurrect any body that was killed in any condition, in any situation or circumstance. It's nothing to him. And the truth of the, the, truth of the resurrection if you just kind of think of all of the people who have died and the ways that they have died, you know, some have been cast out in sea and some have been burned and some have, uh, you know, all kinds of ways that people have been um, killed and kind of done away with. Uh, uh, their, their bodies just kind of um, done away with by whoever, you know, an enemy or whoever, it doesn't matter. But there's coming a day when God will resurrect every single person that has ever lived regardless of the way that they have died. So it is absolutely of no consequence to God to um, raise the dead regardless of how they've died. It just does not matter at all. So to me, this objection just really does not carry any weight. God, will just, God is going to resurrect everybody at some point, not just the believers, by the way, everybody. And so the, the means of the burial... Just, just doesn't seem to matter that much in the, the grand uh, scheme of things. Uh, so, all of this, I, I don't think that there is, even in these verses that we have read, where burning a body is an act of judgment, even in there, I don't see anything that prohibits cremation or anything that commands that we bury our dead. So, uh, I, so for that reason, I, I, though I can't be dogmatic about it beyond what I've shared here, um, I, I don't think it matters one way. The primary concern, biblically speaking, in my mind, is whether or not you're respecting the, the dead in the, in the way that you bury them. So uh, I know there are people who feel differently, and I 
uh, you know, we just want to, we want to be sensitive and respectful, and if somebody does have a problem with that, then uh, we want to honor that and not enter into an argument with them, especially at the time of the death of a loved one. So uh, we, we must go forth um, according to our consciences before the Lord. So anyway, that, that's kind of my view on cremation. I don't know if you all have any questions or other considerations here. Anybody?